Philadelphia's home of Hard Rock Hits, 104.2 WDIG. Dig into this. Welcome to Digging in the Dome. I'm your gracious host, Kevin Hartman. Nah. With me, as always, is Mr. Chris Morano. And we have a very special guest today. Super excited to have him with us. We know him from the band Octane, mm-hmm. Philadelphia's own, yes. back in the early 2000s. You may also know him from the band Foster Child. Mm-hmm. And you certainly know him from the motherfucking band Candlebox. Candlebox. Whose new album, Wolves, releases on September 17th. The single, My Weakness, is out now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brian Quinn. Hey. Digging the dome. Digging the dome, my friend. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. No, thanks you for, thank you for being here, man. We're, we're excited to talk to you. And uh, to, to Kevin's point, yes, Octane is how we know you. Um, we, we actually played at least one or two times at Grape Street at the same time as you. We were in the band Decidorata, if you I probably oh, don't remember yes, that name. Yep. Yeah, oh, we you do. We're talking about that, uh, yeah. You're yeah. one of the three people that remembers that <laughs> well, we were just, we, Chris and I talked on a previous podcast. We were just saying how, um, we had a guy who, uh, his name is Justin, um, lamb. lamb. Yes. And we talked about how, cause he's a musician and we just, and he was out in LA and we talked about how difficult it is when you're coming up and trying to do original music, how difficult it is to catch on because we're from the Philadelphia area, you know, all the, like the shore bars and, and stuff only wanted like cover bands yeah, and stuff only like covers. that. That's it. Um, so catching on and trying to like play those gigs at like the smaller venues and stuff like that, you, you kind of just caught fire multiple times. I know, <laughs> like just... you, you, you nailed it out of the park a couple of times with, with Octane and Foster Child. Um, what do you remember? Like what's your, what are your biggest memories of coming up like early in the two thousands in, in the Philly um, you know, rock and roll and, and music scene. Well, uh, in the, in the Philly, yeah, I guess, yeah, the Philly area, it, it definitely was tough because I had an original band, uh, at first called visiting black hand, uh, right before octane. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, actually prior to that, before I had moved down to Philadelphia, I came up in like the, uh, the Wilkes-Barre hardcore scene. We used to play, <laughs> First Unitarian Church down here. We used to do Lemoore's in Brooklyn. We were, you know, we, where I grew up uh, in Pittston in the Scranton Wilkesbury area yeah. was right in between. Uh, we were 90 minutes from Manhattan and 90 minutes from Philly. So we had lush music scenes on both ends from where we were up there. But, and uh, at the time I was playing in hardcore bands because that was a kind of a big thing up where I grew up, you know, skateboarding and snowboarding and punk and hardcore music. Oh, yeah. uh, but when I, and that, so, you know, we spent all of our time in church basements and uh, <laughs> fire and everything else, man. So that, that's kind of really how I started uh, cutting my teeth, uh, like touring and playing in bands. And I was young, like 14, 15, 16 yeah. years old. Yeah. You start playing guitar like, like when you were five, right? Like, like really, yeah, I was really young. 
Yeah. 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 Five, maybe just six years old. And I started taking lessons when I was uh, eight. That's awesome. So I, was, I was really interested in it. But uh, I mean, as far as your question goes, yeah, the early 2000s, I mean, the, the one thing with Octane, once we finally got that together, I had already been in, uh, played all the, you know, all the local bars like did Grave Street and, at the time, it was the Pontiac before it went yeah, back. Yeah, uh, real. Hell yeah. Played there so many times. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, and there, there was a, uh, places I did. It was like up in, there was a place up in Tullytown, I want to say, that we played original shows up that way. Um, but when Octane got together, we, we kind of got the best of both worlds there because Brian Bortnick, the singer, and I, we definitely deliberately went through with the plan to do original music and covers because mix mix. as you know, coming up in Philadelphia, the cover market here was just massive. All of those bands got more of a opportunity to play bigger rooms and better places to play down the shore. I mean, you're basically you're playing for thousands of people. You're, you are playing other people's music, yeah. but you're still in front of thousands of people every weekend. So I, I said to Bortnick, I was like, if you want to get, we wanted to do metal. You know what I mean? There was yeah. no metal bands. Like we, we would have just been white noise if we did top 40 in the Philadelphia cover market. So, you know, I said, to him, I was like, I want to do something heavier, man. I want to, I want to make a metal band. Like let's go play Metallica and Slayer and Ozzy because these thousands, there's thousands of people sitting home on a Saturday night that won't go out because they just can't stand the top 40. I mean, you could, right. yeah, it's no knock. There's a lot of my friends in those cover bands and it's no knock on any of them, but I mean, you could go to any one of those bars, multiple ones on a Friday or Saturday night and literally set your watch to where brown eyed girl is in the set. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, God and damn it. I, you get a little bit of variety. You guys are playing the same shit. Yeah. They were all playing the same stuff. And, it, but it's, you know, much like songwriting mm-hmm. uh, in the Philadelphia cover circuit, there's a formula and that formula yeah. works and it's tried and true. It's worked since the seventies yeah. and people have made a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. So that said, you know, Brian and I was like, we need to figure out a way to tap into this man, because there's money just sitting in the street. As far as that goes, we can go play metal for all these people that are sitting home, get them out, fill these mm-hmm. and, and still play the same clubs that all these other bands are playing. And, you know, pepper in our own original music. That's exactly what we did. We stuck to the plan. We didn't listen to anybody else about, Oh, well, you got to throw this song in or that song. in. the only thing that we kind of bent on was doing an original, uh, or I'm sorry, an acoustic first set. So we would, you know, we would do three 50 minute sets a night, but our first set was all acoustic. Mm -hmm. So, which opened it up to maybe uh, we could throw something a little more, uh, a little listener or pop friendly in other than, yeah. you know, that, that wasn't Slayer or, uh, <laughs> you know, eulogy by tool, you know? Yeah. Right. So, right. But yeah, coming up in that, I mean, still, man, we, we made a, a good amount of money, which kind of was the, the whole point was to not have to work day jobs at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 we had a really good experience. We had a lot of help from WISP at that point to uh, spike asking friend of mine and uh he was one of my guitar students in fact oh, okay and oh wow to help us out he was like and i really never asked him for anything we would just talk about it and he was like well let me hear what you recorded and i gave him a couple things and one of the first things that i gave him was uh the song i for one yeah that's the one that's, yeah like, they played that a, a bunch of times on ysp i remember yeah, hearing it he loved it so yeah, he was like song. i'm playing this song i'm getting this played i'm getting this played so that was really kind of how it it took off for octane 
That's awesome. Yeah. And we, so we crossed paths. So at the time we were playing and we were doing similar to what you were doing, we were mixing in covers with our originals and we were much, we were much more in line with kind of like the Lincoln park rage against the machine. We were like more hip hop centric with a heavier vibe to it. Um, So we would play wild sets where we would like medley from like green jelly into Sir mix a lot into rage against the machine yeah. and then into like black sheep. Oh yeah. And, and like, we just wild uh, system just, of the down. And then, like, our, and then yeah. And then system <laughs> and like mixing our own stuff like that. And people were, yeah. we would play, you know, doc Watson's would just book us. We would play upstairs at doc Watson's and they would just yeah. be like, just take, you're taking the whole night. It's all yours. Yeah. Just do what yeah. you know. And we started doing that at Pontiac Grill, uh-huh. and then we started doing that at North Star too. At yeah, uh, North, North Star, Star. Oh, yeah. and we started North doing South. that at o- Old Grape Street, and then New Grape Street when they moved Grape Street to Chemistry, right. where yeah. Chemistry was, and then back to the Old Grape Street. I mean, Scooter, I, I give a lot of a, a lot of uh, props to Scooter because he would book us with crazy good bands. Like we played with Silver Tide. I don't know if you remember them back in the yeah, early two thousands. Yeah. yeah, yeah so. Way. Yeah. So we, I, we were playing with them at the same time we were playing at Grape Street and, and bands like Octane. And, and it was wild because we were so out of control that we, it, it was hard for us to get, um, you know, those standing gigs until we started catching on and, and, and had some support. So yeah. And just, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. What you no, no. And you were, were going to say, Chris, oh, I was just going to say, like I, you mentioned the, the fact that it's the booker, like you mentioned spike, right. As is some, you, it's, it's having like a couple of people. And we, I talk, we talked about this with, um, uh, close cash Alavet, uh, the, uh, one of the other musicians that we have interviewed on the podcast recently. And it's, it's the people that, you know, frankly, uh, you know, that can get you that get that support you, that, that appreciate you, <clears throat> not because you're looking for something necessarily, but because they dig what you're doing. And I think to your point, scooter was one of those people, but yeah. I believe the guy was the guy that booked it at grape street. Right. Um, or I'm sorry at, um, at doc Watson. So, you know, getting those kinds of people that, actually help support you and get you into them and give you a chance to actually go and perform is really, especially when you're an original band is really key. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely helped out a lot. The other thing was too, you know, I graduated from, uh, from Westchester university with a degree in teaching mm-hmm. and right out of school, I took a job at tower records in Northeast Philly. Oh wow, nice. That's right. what, I, what I found out. And the reason I took that job and it the money was terrible. I made some of the best friends of my life who I've still this day and friends with, and were big supporters of me just because I was a hungry musician that I, I was going for. But I literally had taken that job because I had found out that uh, the label reps w- would come, would show up at every store trying to, to push their new bands. So at the time, uh, you know, Disturbed was just coming out and um, there was, it, it was bands of that oak. There was some, it was like new metal type stuff that was yeah. coming out. Um, the, um, the big one biscuit record, the second one, was it was a $3 bill maybe? I, I forget which one. Was that the no, no, no. one? Um, I, I, think it was, I think it was $3 bill y'all maybe starfish. I don't know. No, it was one, the one before that, whatever it had, like the, the kids spray painting on the front. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, $3 bill. Yeah. but whatever. So it was, I knew that these label reps, I found out that these label reps were coming into tower records. So I took the job there deliberately to meet them. So I did start meeting them and it's, you know, to build some relationships with them. And after a while they're like, well, what do you do? I was like, yeah, man, I got a demo. Give it to me. So, a couple of those guys, uh, I remember this one guy in particular, Earl, um, who 
Earl Warren, his name was a very, very nice guy. He was a, a sales rep for Roadrunner Records, oh. which coming up in the hardcore scene, Roadrunner was like the pinnacle oh, yeah. for us, man. Cause that's like biohazard got signed to Roadrunner and wife of agony got signed to Roadrunner and uh, the, the their big claim to fame ended up being uh, Nickelback, which was oddly enough, which is what made the label just explode. But um, at the time, that was where hardcore and metal bands, if you, that's who, you know, you, you, you were big, you made the big time if you got signed to Roadrunner in our eyes. Uh, Sepultura. Uh, oh, Sepultura. Yeah. I think, I th- did Slipknot start on Roadrunner? I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know I don't if they, they could have. I mean, very, very good possibility. I just remember the bands I remembered. So this guy Earl, I met him, and he had uh, he had uh, introduced me to the rep that was coming in from uh, Universal, and that guy introduced me to an, an actual A and R agent. So I had an in there, and then met a. Uh, from there, uh, I got introduced to an attorney who ended up taking over legal um the legal contractual stuff for octane right so it was just you know one of those things it was just um a big networking thing man just a very deliberate calculated networking thing that i i wanted to you know i wanted to do this for a living and that was the only way i could figure to get get my foot in the door other than playing a ton of shows and practicing guitar for a ton of hours yep yeah too, and you know so you you were with octane for 2000 to 2005 and then um, you know, you, you branched off and you started, um, foster child, right? So that, and that's essentially where you made that connection, uh, with Candlebox. That's where uh, you met Kevin Martin. So like, what was, what was that experience? Like, how did that kind of come, come to fruition? Uh, so yeah, that well, foster child, we, we started out, we had, we got some attention pretty quick because of Kev, uh, Kevin Miller from fuels playing drums for us. Right. So, uh, we ended up signing a, a record. We did a bunch of demos and we signed a record contract with a Warner brothers subsidiary. I mean, we were, we were together maybe a year and a half. It wasn't very long um, just because there was more key value to the name. And, you know, this the stuff, we, the stuff we're writing was, you know, the label guys felt good about it. So they wanted to take a chance on us. We were kind of like right at the very tail end of actually getting an advance for signing a record contract. Oh, wow. Like the, like the very, very end of it. Yeah. So we got, you know, we got a, a, a decent advance and uh, went and made a record. And Independence album, Day, right? Yeah, for Independence Day. And then we uh, went to do a label showcase. We we're going to do a label showcase in Manhattan for uh, Stu Bergman and all the, all the, uh, like the brass and at Warner Brothers. And it had, it had just so happened that Candlebox was about to do a comeback record after a six, like a six plus year hiatus. And uh, Pete and Kevin uh, from Candlebox were, they were just going to do an acoustic set mm-hmm. and open up. They didn't want They didn't have the full band there. So uh, it was them and who were, we were label mates with as, as well. And then they put us on last, <laughs> of course, to make sure that, you know, all the label guy, everybody was gone home by the time we were <laughs> like, oh, come on guys. <laughs> yeah, like that's just, you know, that's the, you know, it, like, the way you know it goes. industry, yeah. man. So, but luckily enough, uh, Kevin stuck around and a, a bunch of the label guys stuck around and foster child went on and destroyed the place. That's uh, awesome. It, it, we had a, a, it was just, it, it was one of the best still to this day, one of the best sets of rock I've done in a band. Wow. And, uh, 
right when we got finished, Kevin was like, I need to talk to that guitar player and singer right now. So we went over and uh, talked to Kevin. We ended up doing some opening dates uh, with gracious few that he had with the guys from live. And I think we did open for Candlebox maybe once or twice. And then Kevin and I just became friends, stayed in touch. And um, he had a side project going on with Morgan Rose from Seven Dust called uh, Wet Projet. And they were out at live studios in York in uh, December of 2014. And he called me and he said, hey, I know you do session work. You want, I'm in York, PA. You want to come out next week and lay down a couple solos? So I went out and I did, and it w- went great. Me and Morgan actually worked, we were like on a string, man. We, we just got along so well the way we That's worked awesome. together. And Kevin was really happy with it. And I didn't know that Candlebox had been looking for a guitar player at that point. Uh, I just was going in to do a session and getting my money and, and going home. Um, but as it, as it were, uh, Candlebox was making personnel changes. Mm-hmm. And Kevin called me and said, well, we want you to do this thing with us do some guitar playing with us and Le Preget. Um, but what, and would you be interested in that? And it was like, yeah, it was all good. And then, man, it wasn't much longer, uh, later than that, maybe a week or two, if that, even if that, wow, that I, uh, he called me about Candlebox and I accepted that job as well. So I, I essentially ended up basically t- accepting both jobs on the yes. same day. <laughs> You're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't do anything with Kevin Martin. Yeah, really, seriously. Apparently, yeah, thrill the guy. The guy's an amazing, amazing talent. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember <laughs> when Sugar Cookie came out because you guys sampled um, uh, uh, the Saturday Night Live skit, the Cowbell. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did open that song. It was frigging great, dude. That's I was hilarious. dying. I remember when that came out. <laughs> yeah, fucking Christmas. Yeah, the Cowbell thing. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I just haven't so listened great. to the record in so long. <laughs> that's awesome. It's so good. Yeah, we got we we got on uh, we got on Preston and Steve once, but we had to take an alternative method <laughs> to get on there because we weren't as popular as Octane. So we got one of our friends who uh, went on to do like one of those drink a gallon of milk until you puke out of your eyes kind of contests, <laughs> and then we got Preston and Steve to play one of our singles on Wild. Oh my god, Wild One Hundred and puke he did. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, did. Right, to a trash yeah. can. Those are good oh. friends, man. If you'll if they'll support your band by exactly. drinking enough milk to make you yes. puke. We needed a Steve O to get us into the <laughs> like, come on, can we need you to do some jackassery to get us into Preston and Steve? <laughs> That's funny. Oh my god. The things that you'll do though, right? To yes. just to uh get get the brand name out there. It's 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 not an easy thing. It, it really isn't. You've, you gotta you know, like what you guys did and like what what I did, you've gotta find other ways to break, to break in. If it's, you know, it's not right there. Cause you know, you know how, how hard it is like one in a million that an A&R agent just rolls into a show to see some other band and then sees your band. Now, next thing you know, you're signed. You know what I mean? Like it's never like that movies, like where people are like, Oh, you know, like all of a sudden, like 10 minutes into being a band, they're like, ah, we're going to sign you to Sony. <laughs> like that never fucking happens. Get out of here, man. Well, that was, yeah. that was why like playing with bands like you guys and then yeah. playing with bands like silver tide yeah. who, um, uh, got signed to uh you know out, had signed to a record deal for, uh, oh, out of nowhere yeah, like, like yeah, out of nowhere i uh what's his name clive oh god his name is oh, clive, yeah clive davis signed clive davis, clive davis yeah, signed yeah, them yeah. He, he, he had, uh, 
he signed them and uh, he signed them out of Abilene on South Street because that's where we that's how I we became friends with all those guys. They were kids. They were yeah. You know, they, yeah. They, yes. They couldn't drink at the gig that we played with them that's at Grape right. Street. And they actually opened for us, which was insane. Yeah. Because at the time, because they were very much like, you know, they were like Black Crows, you know, yeah. they were like, you know, very... Yeah very you know so like 70 soulful rock and mm-hmm. um i remember seeing them playing because these kids fucking yeah. wail one kid awesome. was playing guitar behind his back yeah like they're sick it, they they were insane and then next wait we heard like a couple weeks later that they had gotten signed and we we're like damn what if what if we were playing with them and they and they, they you know they saw us i, I want to say that silver tide like so they went from that to like like getting signed and they were they i think they had a uh I want to say that for whatever you stick in my head, they had a song that was in an M night Shyamalan movie. Yep. Yeah. Lady in the water. That's what it yep. was. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yep. And yeah, they did. That's nice. uh, I, I think the song that was in that they covered, uh, they covered Maggie's farm by Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. Dylan guy. Oh dude, yeah. that's a great song too. Yeah. So, I mean, like we we were surrounded by all these crazy talented musicians and then we started getting some heat and then all of a sudden, and you were talking about, uh, playing hardcore and punk and metal and stuff like that. So once we got a chance to go to New York and then we started playing at CBGB's um, pretty regularly, I think we played there like two or three times at least. Yep. And then just getting to that point where we're like, Holy shit. Um, yeah. And, and, and we, we thought at that point we're like, all right, this is, this is it. This is going to happen for us. But you guys had a much more like kind of, going back to particularly to octane too, it was like, you guys kind of had like a almost meteoric rise. like, once you got, once you caught on and you were getting steady spins on like YSP and some of the other like rock stations and like Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland and stuff like that. And you, all of a sudden it was like, it was like you were playing like the same clubs that we were. And then all of a sudden, like you're playing new year's Eve at, at electric factory. Yeah, that's it. And it electric seemed like factory, out of yeah. nowhere. Yep. Like what was that like to kind of go from one to the other? Go, f- yeah, go from like that's, playing, that's you know, go from playing Pontiac Grill on South Street to all of a sudden you're playing New Year's Eve at 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 friggin' Electric Factory in front of thousands. Uh, well, of it was it was an exciting time for sure. I mean, the the one thing that you well, you, I I guess you don't really, the one thing you do notice, but you don't notice is that you're just playing bigger rooms because more people are showing up and more people are showing up than more people are showing up because we were putting the, the original stuff out and the, we were getting some airplay on the radio, which was, it was a huge help. Oh, huge. The other massive help was that we were writing in an ilk that of the music that we were covering. So, I get by that. I mean, I, people were walking up and they're like, what's that song that you guys played? It was like the fourth song of the second set. And it sounded like this, or it sounded like that. It were like Godsmack, or it sounded like this, or, or this band or disturbed. And we're like, well, no, that's one of ours. So like, can we buy that? And then we were like, Oh, you know what? We should maybe really. <laughs> Can we buy that? You're like, yes. Get it in, get it. <laughs> what did you have in mind? Yeah. And then yeah. that's me and Brian started talking. I was like, what? we need to start saving some of this money we're making and go in and figure like find an endorsement somewhere, do something and start recording. So we scraped together kind of what we had at that point was like very early on, but people were asking uh, for our music. So we did a demo and then uh, we ended up landing an endorsement deal with Anheuser-Busch. Oh, wow. And he gave us like, 
they, they gave us, well, we were selling so much of their products at our gigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were drinking so much of their yeah. products. <laughs> drinking so much of their product at our, at our gigs that they, uh, yeah, they showed up. Uh, they just came to us and uh, uh, Al Geary, who uh, actually owned Abilene uh, on South Street, oh, Abilene, was, yeah, our, yeah. was our manager and booking agent at the time. That's how we knew the Silver Tide guys, because mm-hmm. uh, we would play Abilene ourselves quite a bit. And he went to Anheuser-Busch and was like, here's the numbers from that these guys are, are moving of your products in you know, like he had the wherewithal to do that. So they turned around and gave us like 30 grand. Oh, and that's we, awesome. And we had our own money. So we took all that money and went and asked Phil Niccolo at, at Studio Four in, in Akachi. We said, how much money would it take to get a record done here? You know, we're starting to get some attention and we want to do something, you know, worthwhile. And he cut us a great deal and we got to do a record with him, which was awesome. That was like a, that was a very big thing for me. Uh, I, I'm sure for the other guys, but personally, it was a big thing for me just knowing all of the great bands that he had worked with uh, in Philadelphia up until that point. And, you know, great bands from all over, really, but all the hit records that he had done. So, um, yeah, that we we did that. And, you know, it was really just it, it just kind of snowballed. We weren't it wasn't anything. I guess it was planned to a point, but it just kind of took on a life of its own, especially after right. I, for one, hit the radio. And then when Gasoline yeah. came out. That's when everything went over the top. That's when we had a lot of labels around. That's when we ended up on tour with Disturbed and Three Doors Down and Cedar yeah. and all these other bands. Uh, we just started getting some attention. We just we sold a ton of CDs uh, at our shows. So we that's sold like twenty some thousand. Yeah, I was going to say like I, like I, I know that <clears throat> I think the um, the the. And I'm not sure if it was the album or the single sold like 65,000 copies or something like that. Uh, the, uh, the one that uh, I, for one, was that the single that sold that many or was the album that the single, that single was on? Uh, that was a spin. We had like a ton of spins on WYSP from when mm-hmm. they put it on to when they stopped spinning it. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was probably a number. It, it was probably, there it was it was a lot. That's a lot. I mean like, in, it like, you lot. know, especially when you're like, look, if you're, you're trying to get known, like getting that kind of, you know, that kind of play on a regular basis. Cause you know, like those guys have rotations. I was a DJ. So those rotations of songs that are coming in, once you get into those kind of mixes, man, like it, you're, you're getting noticed and people are hearing that. And, and especially when people are calling and requesting it and all that, it's, it's pretty amazing. That's just, again, that's definitely, yeah. definitely I'm sure helped you greatly get to where you wanted to, to, to be. And now you're on tour with, amazing bands which is again you think about where you started those humble beginnings of where you started in those smaller clubs and like he said the pontiac grill now you're on a tour bus with disturbed that's <laughs> crazy <laughs> you gotta think too you gotta remember too the time frame we're talking about like this is pre-social media oh yeah you know what i mean all grass this is pre like you know soundcloud um or any of those other types of of easily marketable digital era stuff that we have now it wasn't i mean like you had to grind it out i mean i remember us like just making flyers and and going to places and just getting out there and then we recorded our first album at sonic studios on, on chris's credit card we sure did um, <laughs> never recovered never recovered and then i mean we we had no fucking clue what we were doing and we were sandwiched between like tori amos and uh well, and, a, and, a, a and last worse that was in there right? yeah i mean like we were they were the because the sonic studios they were doing sonic sessions at the time right yeah so like, I 
fucking Jamokes are in here. Well, this fucking moron, ungodly money. This idiot goes up to to fucking Robert Palmer and calls him Peter Gabriel, <laughs> who proceeded to call him a bloody wanker. Uh, <laughs> we, we had no clue what we were doing, but we we started getting play and we we started meeting people, and then we did our we did our second album. Um, we did it with uh, with Mike Newseater at, yeah, at Milk Boy, Archdiocese Millimeter, right, and, yeah. and, and Sebastian Bach. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and that was like such a huge deal for us. It was us. a big difference too in producers, man. Like going from the the guy at Sonic Studio who he if if he we were on fire, he wouldn't piss on us to put us out because he hated us so much. <laughs> to Mike, who actually gave a shit about the music and yeah. made it sound good, which was cool. And the right. guys from Milk Boy were awesome too. They were great. Yeah, fantastic. obviously they Tommy opened up their own venue, and then we started playing there too, and. I think yeah. that's one of our like one of our last shows was there in 2013. So yeah. Um, so you're in Foster Child, you meet the guys from Candlebox, now you're in Candlebox. Like y- you is any part of you like, holy shit, what's going like this? This is a band that was like stratospheric in the yeah, in the I grunge era D platinum played played album. fucking woodstock 93 like yeah how much of a like a mind fuck was that for you initially or were you just like i'm supposed to be here yeah well yeah i guess <laughs> me and kevin had been talking about it for like quite a while he'd always so i i gotta get you in my band man we gotta do a project together we, you know just for all the years that i had known him and i was like yeah yeah okay all right yeah yeah you know? <laughs> full shit <laughs> just saying that yeah <laughs> all, right, all right dude let's come on let's have some beers like you know, <laughs> but, uh yeah when it finally did happen i guess when it when it really landed uh you know because i had talked to kevin he had, he had called me like years ago it was like Hey man, uh, there's this opportunity to manage a rock club. Would you be interested in it? I was like, no, absolutely not. What I am interested <laughs> in is playing guitar for you. Yeah, right on. that's awesome. Hey, there you go. There you started, go. Started laughing. I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't want to manage a rock club, man. I want to play one. Like you know. And we, he just started laughing about it, and we we talk about that kind of often. But anyway, uh, yeah. When it really landed for me was my first my first date with Candlebox. Uh, I had done. Uh, I was doing a, 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 a tour run. I was playing uh, slide guitar for Greg Allman's son, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a run with them. And it was basically like Kevin said, hey, when could you start? I said, listen, I committed to these guys. I don't want to, I'm not going to bail on them. Like, it's just not the right thing to do. And he totally understood and respected that. And uh, I told him a date that I could start. And I, we, I finished the Michael Allman run and I did like a solo acoustic in um, King of Prussia on like a Wednesday. And I flew out on a Thursday and my first show with Candlebox was on a Friday. So my gig at King of Prussia, it was, it was fine. It was like a happy hour or whatever. And there was yeah. maybe know, 40 people at the bar. It was, it was a cool gig. It was great. Friday night, I was in front of 20,000 people. And that was like, that's, that's when I was like, oh my God. That <laughs> oh was, man. Yeah. That's when it, that's when it, it completely hit me. Like at the very end of that show, once it was finished, you know, and I got through because I had spent so many weeks learning the material and running over it, like in my studio, and just I gotta know this and know this and try to remember this part. And like, what is this guy doing on the song? Like, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to figure all that. I, I was just so right. immersed into learning it, and that came from being in, you know, learning all the cover music from Octane when we were in Octane because we would learn that, you know you know, all 10 minutes of eulogy by tool to the note, all every tell, you know, all 10 minutes of master of puppets to the note. So I wanted to make sure I had it down and it, you know, worked out, I guess. So that part of my music education really worked. 
uh, when I joined Candlebox. But yeah, it all it all kind of came full circle for me from start to finish and knowing where I wanted to be uh, in my career. Yeah. Like at the end of that first show, it was like the weight of the world just fell off me. It really felt like that. Like that was the the, the most important breath I ever took. I felt. Oh my God, I cannot <laughs> imagine. Like you, you must have been shitting your pants walking <laughs> onto the stage and seeing twenty thousand people out there. You're like, holy shit! Like yeah. that has got. I mean, like it's got. I mean, you said that you did some other stuff. Uh, you know, with you know, with some other. Imagine people. you're looking at Ed Connors at Screwballs and King of Prussia, and then no. the next day. Oh. Sorry. You're going to <laughs> you're going to friggin' play in front yeah. of twenty thousand. Yeah, you're like, ah, oh, this is I have a lot different. I have to give Ed a lot of love. He yeah. he hooked he That's hooked us idea. up with each other and 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 kind of reunited uh old 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 uh old heads that that were in bands at the same time and yeah. in the Philly area. So that's one of the things I really I just wanted to thank you for is just being so like humble and well connected to the place that you came from. Oh yeah. Like there's really yeah. no reason other than your love of the game that to go to a place like screwballs and do a cover, you know, for two hours on a Friday afternoon and you just sit there, do a couple shots, drink a couple beers and, and, and just, and play some covers like you doing that. Like it means a lot to people. It really does. I know I'm, I, I know Ed talks about it all the time. I know that uh, my girlfriend's brother, Ryan, um, you know, who knows uh, Brian, uh, you and, and the other Brian, too many goddamn yeah, Brian. How many fucking Brian's are there? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean everybody everybody that's in a successful band's name Brian you should change your name I should change my name then maybe we'll get fucking noticed <laughs> but I mean just being so like down to earth and, and and so connected still to the place that you came from when you really you really technically don't have to be it is really super cool and, and I'm I'm super thankful for it I know a lot of people are too yeah oh yeah but that's great man it's encouraging to hear because I I you know I didn't never even that's kind of a different angle to hear it at because I, I still do it like when I'm home off the road and obviously now with the pandemic and everything, but yeah. I was, I'll still continue to do it. It just, you know, keeps my chops up. Yeah. I think so, a lot of times, man, they're, they're the hardest, they're the harder gigs to play, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, a little more intimate, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. More. Yeah. You're just kind of under a microscope a bit if, if yeah. people are paying attention, but <laughs> you know, it's like one of those, but uh, you know, luckily that they, they do and they'll come out and they'll, you know, get a decent crowd. I'll throw in a couple originals, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind doing that. And as far as to, yeah, like being, being humble and all that, that's really, that was how I was raised, man. I was, I just, I was lucky enough to be raised by very good people. So, um, you know, I never really subscribed and I, I grew up just not, I wasn't impressed with the rock star, any of the rock star shit, you know, it was like, I'm here to play music. I want to play music, make a couple walks if I can. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm here to do. I didn't really care about it. All the, the hoopla, all the, all the extraneous the stuff that causes nothing but trouble in your life, to be honest with you. Yeah. There, and there is, I'm sure like, are you probably, my God, you probably have seen some shit because you've <laughs> been like, you've been on tour with some, some pretty, pretty, I mean, like just kind of like looking through the, the list of people that you've like shared stages with like Ozzy, uh, Metallica, Distur uh, or Deftones. Like, you know, those are like bands where, you know, they're I'm, like Ozzy Osbourne is a fucking like that. That's an iconic rock star who I'm sure, especially in his heyday, 
got got loose and like i'm sure like it, it, things get a little bit crazy on the road so like i'm like it, I, to hear that you said you know what i'm just here for the music that's that's really good and and i i could tell you know just by the fact that you know again you you've started since you were you've been playing since you were five years old obviously you knew that that's what you wanted to do was your love for for playing guitar that like carried you through you're in a room that is literally lined on the left wall with nothing <laughs> guitars there's two behind you you're like the desperado you know how the desperado guy has got guns in his case remember antonio Banderas? Yeah. you've got guitars all of them they're everywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah if someone needs to break out then you can uh, you could definitely do it and it seems like you definitely have um uh just based on your your different experiences because um uh, foster foster child was a that was more of a blues like rock band right like it was more like that kind of style so you know one of the things that we kind of prided ourselves on in in, in Desiderata is that and it partly because I think as musicians we just didn't really like to to like label ourselves one thing or the other we wanted to play all kinds of music so yeah. obviously you're based and we were based in the like the foundation of hip-hop you're based in the, the foundation of metal right so like what what is your favorite kinds of music to play what what kind of styles do you like the most uh I, I kind of I like everything to be honest yeah. with you. Um, there's nothing that I I don't like really. I mean, to me, if it's if I, I like it and I feel it's good, it's like if it's good, it's good. I always say that, you know. Like I don't care what genre of music it is, whether it's rap or country or metal or rock or folk or bluegrass. Like yeah. I, I kind of um, I listen to a lot of different stuff. My favorite band, like as far as rock and metal goes, my favorite band ever is Ozzy era Black Sabbath. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. uh, and like Ozzy solo stuff, Randy Rhodes is my favorite player. So I'm a, I'm a big, big Ozzy guy, but I'm also equally as big of a Bob Dylan and the band, like the, uh, yeah. I'm huge on the band, the, uh, the birds, like a lot of the, like the sixties classic rock stuff, mm-hmm. which is all really at the end of the day, blues rock based stuff. I mean, it's just kind of a, an evolution of a, whether it's Sabbath or the birds or Dylan or in the band. I mean, it's all, it's all coming from the old school roots of Mississippi Delta blues music. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. Which I love. And I, you know, I play a lot of slide guitar. Almond brothers are another big one for me. So that was very huge for me playing, getting to play for an almond uh, and not only yeah. play for an almond, but play slide guitar for an almond because Dwayne, Dwayne almond is an, another one of my biggest influences and Warren hands as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, um, I I, I kind of like it all, man. It's you know, on on flights, I listen. I'll listen to Andre Segovia playing Bach. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of you know something that's a big go to for me. I mean, you know, huge Jeff Buckley fan, uh, huge Chris Cornell fan, like their their solo stuff. Um, yeah, I I just I don't know. And you played I, with Chris's brother too, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Me and me and Chris's brother, Pete, just played together uh, a couple weeks ago and we'll be playing again together in November. That's so, awesome. Um, but we had, uh, how I had met, met Pete, we, uh, before Foster Child kind of got rolling into and got our record contract, uh, Pete had a band called Black Market Radio and they were out of Manhattan. They were a fantastic band. I loved them. And uh, a couple of my other buddies also played in that band as well. I knew them. I knew they were on the like New York, New Jersey circuit. You know, obviously Pete was from Seattle, uh, living in New York at that point. But uh, so we ended up and we ended up doing a ton of shows together. And I kind of had like some acquaintance relationships with some other Seattle guys. And when me and Pete met, we just we immediately clicked. And then I got the job in Candlebox. 
And it turned out that uh, it, it was weird because it turned out that his wife ended up becoming Candlebox's manager, which I didn't know. Wow. I didn't know that he was married to Candlebox's uh, manager at that. But it, was, it all kind of it was just the weirdest thing on how we ended up connecting and then we reconnected. And then, um, yeah, now we're, you know, in regular touch again, which is great because he was such a, he's such a good dude. And I, I love his music that he wrote. Um, so I'm going, he invited me out. Candlebox is doing a reunion in November with all the original members. Okay, so wow. like, um, I won't have anything to do with that. They do it every, uh, it was supposed to happen last year. They do it every, uh, anniversary for the albums and um pete cornell was opening uh for candlebox and i had planned to go out there anyway kevin invites all of us you know it's like one big family whether you're a a current member or former member it doesn't matter like we all get along great it you know it's it's the industry man it is what it is so yeah you know we all hang out together like if we're in any, we're playing any city that one of the former member or original members live in. They come up and always play a couple songs with us and happy to give them the guitar, man. Cause I wouldn't even have that gig if it wasn't for them, you know? Right. Very so, cool. uh, and there's so a Pete, Yeah. So Pete invited me to, uh, to play the acoustic set with him opening for Candlebox. Very cool. And Pete so, uh, was also very good friends with Dave Cruzen, who was our drummer for quite a while. Um, Dave, Dave was a founding member of Pearl Jam. Oh, wow. He's the drummer on 10 and, uh, Jesus, you know, did some writing. So Dave had been with us for years and years. It's awesome. That's, what's your, what's your go-to, uh, guitar these days? Um, he's got 5,000 of them back what do, there. What do, you, what do you, what do you usually play? My friend, Chris here, he was a, he was a Gibson custom SG. If I remember correctly, that was his go-to. Yep. What, what's your, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been, uh, well, I've been, uh, with Gibson now, uh, I don't know, for a while, probably like seven years, eight years. Okay. So, but I've always been a Les Paul player. Okay. Uh, mm, yeah. Les Paul standards. So I've always, uh, just always played them. I love them. I like all the weight on the guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. it, the heavier, the better for me. So my nice. number one is like, it's that center one, the center one back there. It's an 89 Norland era super heavy, like standard sunburst. Uh, I, think, I think, I think Chris just, uh, I think Chris just finished. <laughs> I can't see that. Why are you, why are you spoiling me? Just cause you heard it. <laughs> then, I mean, you're, 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 it's, guitar, it's guitar player porn right oh, now. He's fucking yeah, sweating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. I have, a, it's funny to me. I got all my vintage marshals here on this wall, which uh, you can't see. It's just out of focus. I have yeah. a bunch of my vintage Marshalls. I, I already finished. I don't want to finish again. I, I don't think I'm yeah, too right. old for that shit. I can only go once. <laughs> Chris needs a nap now. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. a Les Paul Marshall guy, man. Just uh, for acoustics, I've been using Guild for over 20 years as well. I love Guild acoustics. And um, Milwaukee Guitar Company just built me my own signature model. They, they're oh, wow. a, a company that that make um, – they, they – their thing is like semi hollow bodies really is what what he makes kind of like thin line, semi hollow bodies. So I, uh, he approached me, uh, his name is Tyler Brenner, the outstanding, uh, luthier. Um, he approached me, said, I want to make a guitar for you, uh, you know, take out on the road and, uh, you know, we'll do like your own customized pickups. So like everything top to bottom will be what, what you'd like. Um, 
so, you know, but there were certain parts of the guitar that already were like the, you know, the semi hollow body and, you know, a big thick, like fifties telly and uh, like 58 West Paul, um, like baseball bat neck on yeah, it. Like fat neck. neck with yeah. Love. So he built me a, we, we built like a Frankenstein of a Gibson ES three thirty five and like a, a mid fifties Telecaster. Oh, and it's God, it must sound it, amazing. It is, yeah, it, it oh. is nasty. And I just got it a few weeks ago. You know, we, uh, we're working out some, there's some things on it that, um, you know, I, I love most everything about it, but he said, you know, play it for a bit and we'll make some tweaks. And, uh, I think we're going to talk about maybe doing a production guitar for it. Um, Oh, wow. No kidding. How, how it's received. So, but as of right now, it's a one of a kind kind of, that's very cool. Uh, I'm kind of cool with it being the one of a kind. Yeah, I don't need, no, no one else needs to have this. This one's mine. I'm gonna, I'll be the only one to have this. Thank you yeah. kindly. So, so yeah, I think we're going to do another one. I don't, I don't want to chop this one up. So I think we're going to do build another one yeah. and just kind of dial in, you know, what I really like about it. And it's just a couple minor things, but the pickups in it are just they're ridiculous. Absolutely awesome. They're oh. it's the best. They're hand like hand hand wound old PAF wire uh, pickups, and they they sound so good. They're literally the, probably the best humbuckers I've ever heard. Damn, that's incredible, man! I lied. I finished again. <laughs> 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 See, I'm a vocalist. We're annoying. We just fucking show up. <laughs> you are annoying without the vocalist yeah. part. <laughs> uh, he's not lying. Um, so the new album's Wolves comes out on September 17th. So are you guys done? Is it, are you in mastering? Is it, is it wrapped up? Cause I know your singles out. My right. weakness is out now. Uh, the video is up on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. so is the rest of the album done? Are you kind of wrapping things up on it or are you ready to go with it? Uh, no, it's all done. The, the album's done. It was finished. We finished recording it in, um, October of 2019. Actually. Holy shit. Well, I guess the pandemic kind of yeah, put, put a monkey wrench into things yeah, for seriously. the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to come out. It was supposed to be released in April of 2020. And just obviously because we couldn't tour it, there was really no point in releasing it because we want to, you know, you want to, you want to tour behind it. That's what's putting, putting people in the seats. So, um, yeah, we held on to it. And, uh, you know, I know Kevin really, that's kind of on Kevin. Once it's done being recorded, it's kind of up to him. He'll send us the, the mixes and you know, what does this need? Does this song need this? Does it need that? Like, what would you like to hear? Everybody sends their notes in. And then, uh, once everything is kind of finalized, it goes to mastering, but yeah, it's, it's all, it's all finished now. And, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. It, you know, it's, it's, it's weird uh, having a, an album that's going to come out, you know, almost two years later, Straight you know what I mean? Because it's just even the ideas that, you know, me and Kevin sat around with and screwed around with over the pandemic. And now like our, to me, that's the new ideas. That's, but the, it's, that's what um, you're working on next. Yeah, it is a new, like, it, I know it's new for everybody else. So that's, that's what's exciting. And, um, I guess still new for me. I mean, there's some, a uh, couple songs on there I'm still working through to figure out. Cause we, the way we, we record records is very, very fast and very frantic. We wrote, you know, 12 or 13 songs in like five days and then went in and Jesus. recorded them in two weeks. 
So by the time it's all done, with on top of the sleep deprivation and everything else, <laughs> once I get the album back, I'm like, what what the hell did I play? I don't even remember what. You don't remember it, yeah, because you were just getting so in the moment. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's. I mean, I literally. I, this entire, this entire folder and all, all these, this is, this is the whole record right here. Oh, wow. I, have to, I take meticulous notes when we're in the studio because I need to remember yeah. what I was doing and what position, what, what section that I'm doing the overdubbing in and everything. So that's, I mean, it's this thick of every song, but the, the notes are completely meticulous. Thank God I do that while we're making the record. Cause when I went back and heard it, I was like, I was able to pick out, I'd go back into the notes and be like, Oh yep, yeah, yeah, I did that. I did that. I did that. <laughs> right. You're so, like, Whew, I got to wrote that down. Seriously. Good. Yeah. 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 And you need to, cause it's just, it, it's just way, way too much to remember. Now you guys are going, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, with the release of the album, are you guys going to do some touring now? Like now, now things are yeah, opening tour back date, up again. Tour dates are up, aren't oh, they? up now? No shit. I, ju- I just put them up. Uh, a few hours ago that uh, I saw that Kevin um, uh, through the social our official social media had posted them. So yeah, that's all of our, our headlining ones. Now that's those dates. Those, we're on a ton of festivals as well. Oh, okay. So the festivals, you know, they, the ones that were up were all of our headlining dates, but yeah, I mean, we're running from uh, right at the beginning of August all the way to the beginning of November, pretty oh, yeah. much nonstop. Are you, excited, are you excited to get back out on the out on the road after almost two years of not yeah. being able to do it? Yeah, I, I really am. I, you know, at, at the pandemic hit at almost a perfect point because everybody was just so burned out, and uh, not just uh, in in the band. I mean, I just kind of mean it seemed to me everybody everywhere was just completely burned out. hit the pause button for a minute. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And you know, man, I'm, it was almost a blessing in disguise that it happened because I was just fried. I needed a break. We like, we just do not stop. We make a record. We go out on tour. We make a record. We go out on tour. You know, it's just how we do. And that's, that's how food stays on the table, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, six at that point, six years deep, I was like, I just wanted a, a break, like a good break. And then, you know, the guys, we would have like, a, you know, five or six week break. But when I got home, I'd be doing the local gigs. So I didn't, right. you know, it never just stopped. Stop. I never stopped. Yeah. So um, when this hit, I was still, I'm still enjoying my time home now. You know what I mean? But once, I think once I get back, you know, me and Kevin did, a, did an acoustic gig out in Oklahoma last week. That was the first time we saw each other in a year and a half. And and the first time we're on stage together in a year and a half and with it being an acoustic gig, I'm glad it was because again, it's like a little more under a microscope. Yeah. So, and and it went great. It was like, we never stopped. So that was, that was really encouraging, I guess. But, and then it was also like, all right, I'm in a hotel room again, you know, I'm traveling, I get used to the airport, you know, going through the airport again. So that was kind of cool doing. I was like, Oh, well that was different. And yeah. So I would say, yes, I am excited to get back out there and do it again. We have a lot of, really great, great shows coming up and a couple really cool tours. So, um, are, are you coming to Philly at all? Cause I took a quick look at the tour dates. Cause like Harrisburg. you said, they just came up like right before I came yeah. over here to record. Uh, and I only caught a glimpse. Um, cause I only saw Hershey and Pittsburgh out of PA. Um, there's Harrisburg too. Or Harrisburg, Harrisburg. excuse Harris, me. Yeah. There's a Harrisburg and there's a Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, uh, the, the band doesn't play Philadelphia. For, I don't know why. <laughs> dare you yeah, <laughs> no, like, I, don't, I, I don't know why i don't know what if it's 
If it's a market thing, I, I really, I wish I had an answer because right. yeah. obviously being from, from here, I get asked all the time why we never play Philly, which is kind of odd because just prior to joining the band, I had seen Candlebox twice at the TLA. Yeah. You know, I had seen them uh, come through. They'd, I know they have played Philly before. Yes. Um, it was but, that yeah, last I, one at the TLA. Really, they got them. Maybe some, something bad happened. They're like, screw well, them. I mean, that's I'm kind of, here. well, that's kind of what I was yeah. curious because it's, it could just be the current state of venues yeah. at, in the Philly area because things have changed a lot. Um, electric factory yeah. ownership changed and it's electric factory is not even an electric factor anymore. Um, yeah, right. What, what was the water company now? I, I forget. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they can't get a dad, can't get a dad joke away from this guy over here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like TLA is different now. Um, I mean, you have the Met and you have Camden waterfront mm-hmm. and um, cause uh, uh, what you call it. That was on uh, Columbus Boulevard, the out, the outdoor venue. Oh, that's that. Oh, what the hell is that? The P- Penn's landing is oh, gone P- too. Yeah, like, yeah. so it's, it's a different, totally different scene within a couple of years now. So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Me, yeah. Maybe it did. I, I really don't know. I'd love to play Philly. Believe me. I'd, it'd be great to play tower or the man or uh, even Camden. I mean, I thought, uh, you know, a lot of these festivals we're doing uh, the only like the art, other artists were, were on like multiple festivals uh, with these uh, same group of artists. And then we go and do like, one or two of our own headline shows, but during one of those two headline shows is the MMRBQ, which they're all on and we're not. Um, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the day after the MMRBQ, we joined back up with them on for these other um, festivals. So oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh man. I, maybe it's just luck of the draw for Philly or yeah, I don't know. that's it, it is what it is. Maybe next yeah. time. Well, now we'll just have an excuse to come and see you at one of your local gigs. I'll drag Chris out with me to, uh, you, know, you drag me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You don't think I want to get out of this house. You kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, man, yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to get out of here. So hey, I, I had a question for you too. So um, on just something that I saw that was really cool that you did, and, and it was in a very scary place. So I got to ask. So you played at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, yeah, yeah, in front yeah. of thousands of troops. That yeah. I mean, it, it's Gitmo. That's terrifying. So <laughs> yeah, right. like, I'm sure the troops were super cool, but you know. I mean, we couldn't be like a ruse to like trap you. Next thing you know, we don't see Brian anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so what, yeah, right. Exactly. So what was that like? What was that like playing there? <clears throat> uh, I, I, well, I was happy I wasn't on the business end of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but uh, that, that experience within itself was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, the, that island is absolutely beautiful. It's, you know, pretty much completely untouched, especially by tourism. So, yeah. uh, and especially this, this section of the Island that we were on, we we're in like the way, like Southeast corner of it, where, you know, Havana's like where Seattle would be in the States. And we were like, basically where Florida is mm-hmm. as far as the Island goes, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was very beautiful. Uh, you know, as we, uh, my whole career, I've done a lot, a lot of, uh, work and shows and, even charity work for the, uh, for the U S military. Awesome. So I was happy to very do it cool. when we got asked a uh, very close friend of mine was stationed there deployed there. Actually, it was one of his deployments and he had gotten it all set up. And we, uh, we went down there and played, we got to stay, um, I think we were there like six or seven days. It, it was a while because normally what, how that would work is like, you're in and you're out. Like they don't, right. 
you don't want you looking around too much, but I guess not. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But it, I mean, it was what it was. They had like, it was, there was a regular downtown with, you know, a massive PX. It was like a, it was a super, super Walmart. Basically it was like their PX was massive. Uh, you know, they had Burger King, McDonald's, Irish bars, like uh, an outdoor tiki bar. Like it is, wow. it, it's a military base, you know? So, um, they, they took great care of us as did the military always does. And, um, Great. We uh, yeah, we played the show on New Year's Eve. We went down there, and spent spent New, uh, like the, that week leading up to New Year's Eve, and a uh, day or two afterward. And yeah, we had a blast. We we're down there. Uh, Bo Bice, who uh, oh yeah, oh, nice, yeah, nice, yeah, yep. <clears throat> he was down there with his band, so you know we did a we did a bunch of stuff with those guys. So you know, um, it's a joint task force down there. So it's every uh, every section of the uh, of the military. military right. So we went out with the, and uh, my friend is a Naval officer. So the Navy, uh, they took us out. We did like a, like a boat tour of Guantanamo river and like went out in Guantanamo and actual Guantanamo Bay, which was beautiful. Uh, we did like a fence line tour to show like where they're, you know, like basically the border with Cuba and we're up in like the, the massive towers looking over into wow. Cuba. They have like, you know, a huge binoculars. Just, so that was kind of cool. So yeah, they had, we were up at 0600 every day and they had us doing activities. Oh, they, they didn't let us you, rest and they wanted to make sure that we saw that they were, you know, they were, they were, they were running it right down there, which, which they were. And they, cool. they can make you get up early um, and you're like a rock star. You're like, I'm tired. It's 0600. Ozzy wouldn't be having that. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, we're it, super, it we're so, we're super jealous because while you were doing that, we were trying to win Battle of the Bands on Gas House Radio um, or trying to get into Origivation Magazine. <laughs> no, actually, I think you're wrong. I think that we were playing Ludwig's Garden Restaurant <laughs> in the middle of, a, of like, a, there's nothing worse than when you're like coming up and you have to play those, those, I mean, it, it, get, it, it, it like, I know it's, uh, it tempers you like steel. Like you have to go into those shitty gigs because if you can make it do that, then you can go to the cool places. But First, yeah. there's Ludwig's Garden German restaurant where we're playing up a German re- <laughs> whose idea we, we was that? Played, we played. We were paid in bratwurst. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Not <Knockwurst>. Lederhosen. <laughs> exactly. It, that was a very strange gig. What? Uh, so, what? What's your out of all the places that you've played? Like, what, what besides obviously if in the Philly area? What What was a cool and and playing at, at, for the troops in, in Gitmo? What, what was What was your favorite place to to play? Uh probably we we've gone we've gone to south america uh a couple times uh a few times actually and uh the second trip down there for Lollapalooza was pretty was pretty amazing um it's wild we, we played down there and that was that was that was an experience that was the biggest crowd i've ever played in front of and that was it was just a sea of humanity down there and everybody was so cool and with it being a return trip there we had you know made some good friends down there so uh they were t- you know they took us out to all their local places it's like you know you just you're not there ba- like kind of in a tour tourist capacity because you're with yeah. Like everybody that like that lives there, like friends of ours that are musicians that live there that know in the, you know all the ins and outs of the place. So yeah, that was a really cool experience. And like our backstage area, we were we were neighbors with uh, the Eagles of Death Metal and Snoop oh, Dogg. Shit! Oh my god! Uh. Yeah, it was awesome. So they you know we had a big 
and there was a, a bunch of other bands. It was like, everybody had like these tents and it was all, they had this big common area out back. And after everybody got done playing, you know, just hanging out in the courtyard, catching up, having beers, uh, barbecue and food. It was, it was cool. Dude, nothing Very would be cool. cooler than fucking cool. seeing like Eagles of death metal playing Snoop Dogg at horseshoes. That's not what I was expecting. You can see horseshoes through the clouds of smoke. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It was uh pretty, pretty, pretty there, wild there. Now do you do like besides do you start doing like so it sounds like like you do a lot of traveling um in the in the in the United States. Obviously we talked about Cuba a little bit. Have you done a lot of international travel? Have you done played a lot of international places that were pretty cool or yeah, yeah, I mean a good clip of it. Uh like I said, down to South America a couple times and then uh we've been to Europe uh a couple times. I love uh love London. And uh we had we spent a couple weeks in Germany at one point, which that that was very old and very beautiful. Um yeah, we've kind of trekked through Europe a bit. Uh, you know, took the ferry from UK over to uh over to the mainland, like at at Calais, you know, over like going into Calais, France, which me being a World War II history major, um, that was pretty interesting, like seeing the cliffs of Dover and leaving and knowing like you're landing right near where, yes. where all the, all the, you know, all of our guys, so many of our, our guys died protecting our freedom. It's, yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing, which is, you know, ties back to going and doing all of those military gigs is I'm, I'm happy to do it and, and happy to do it for nothing. If, you know, they, yeah. they always make sure that we're compensated, but I would do it for free just because of the, uh, the amount of blood that's been spilled because for us to be able to, do what we do. we do yeah. exactly 100 percent, absolutely yeah <laughs> um, Listen, man. yeah that yeah it was right over there i loved it but yeah i don't know how much more time you have i mean we've been talking already for for 90 minutes so uh we don't want to we we yeah really oh, <laughs> yeah 6 30 what are you fucking a mathematician we started at 5 30 you dope oh i don't know man i have an hour then <laughs> He's like, it's been four hours. I'm like, I don't know what kind of clock you're looking at. Yeah, he said it feels like four hours. It's because you. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, You can suck it. Um, I I, I just wanted to time check with you because I don't know how much time you have. Be respectful of the time. That's the right thing to do. We appreciate it. So are you going to, so obviously you said that you and and your, um, your, your, your partners in, in Candlebox already are kind of thinking the next album after this one, that's not even out yet. So are you guys going to get back in the studio? I mean, obviously you got to tour with this one. You got to, you got to, you know, your last out, the last Candlebox album was very successful attract uh, and debuted at number nine on the billboard charts. Um, and uh, you know, obviously well-received. So like, what's the plan? Are you going to, obviously it seems like the, why, why not keep the wheels spinning, right? Go to go tour and then go back into the studio and do it again. Right. Yeah, we'll probably do some writing uh, after we get done in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually take w- winters off. It's just not, not the safest time of year to be touring, especially in a bus. Um, yeah. So we, we, we're usually off from, you know, right around Thanksgiving until uh, like end January or end February. I mean, um, we'll get back out like right around then, start back down south where when it's getting a little bit warmer. But um yeah, I'm sure we'll end up doing some writing. I just I'll open up an email every once in a while, and Kevin will be like, "I have a new idea. Check this out." So that's awesome. Uh, that's great. We'll just work on some stuff. I have 
I wrote a ton of ideas over the pandemic. I had a ton of ideas prior to it. And then I was just kind of waking up and saying, I'm going to write, I'm going to write today, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'll sit down. I I have man, at least uh, I'm probably creeping up on a hundred different ideas of of just pieces of songs that, which is a good thing and a bad thing because I need to just focus in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. And they're just voice memo ideas that I'm sitting having coffee in the morning with. You know, I have a guitar and an amp right right next to it, right on the couch. So I'm like, mm-hmm. sit there and just come up with ideas. So it's really just sifting through all of that. And uh, But I do mark them when I really like it. So I probably, I have a good clip of ideas that I'd like to go in studio and put something together probably on our next break after I get a nice long vacation uh, in somewhere warm. You know, you know how, uh, uh, like, I'm sure living with you is is fantastic. But can you imagine if you were his roommate, right? And it's like six in the morning. Are you here? "Ah! Oh my god, Jesus Christ, man! Warn me next time. Wake me up first. That's the that's the way you you definitely. uh, Ooh, that's that's gonna be rough. Yeah, right. Hopefully, hopefully he's kind enough to not wake his wife up like like he's Marty McFly with like the headphones connected. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I don't know if my I don't know if my wife would explain it as much as much of a dream come true as you just did. <laughs> I'd like to think that she would. Yeah, but, oh, uh, yeah. No, it, it's all right. I've, I'm down. I get the studio in the basement. I I keep pretty quiet. So so uh, yeah, it's um, nothing nothing too crazy. But uh, it, I, I've really enjoyed being home. I really have. But uh, I, I am excited to get back to work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you look like what, I, what I'm used to doing for the Dude, last 20. We're excited to hear it too, man. No doubt. Really you're and like, you're, you're like, you guys are going like, it's like, it's like every day you're boom, boom, boom. And you're just, you're going to keep moving yeah. for the, for, for a couple of months, which is, um, you know, that's gotta be, that's gotta be exciting. And it's also gonna be very tiring too. I'm sure that you were glad when you're done, you could take a couple of, uh, take a couple of months off to recover from that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know, like Kevin is, it, man, I'll tell you, the guy's voice just gets stronger as he gets older. It's the craziest wow. thing, but it, he really does. I mean, he's just, he's getting, it's, it's more powerful. It's, and the more we play like that, it, it's great. Now we do get some breaks. We get some days off in between. I think we're doing maybe four on, two off, and then maybe two yeah. on and one off. So, and that'll, they try to run that form, but you know, for him doing it as long as he's been doing it to, you know, four in a row is is a pretty high ask of any any singer. You know what I mean? Yeah, Kevin, you do you know you're you're a vocalist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It it's it's tough, man. And you gotta do vocal exercises and you gotta drink the right stuff and you gotta eat the right stuff and and Mm -hmm. you gotta rest when you're supposed to rest. And you know, it's 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 really difficult. And people people sometimes don't understand like how hard it is. Um, and you know, some people don't do that. And then you see the results of it. Um, we talked about, Oh man, uh, unfortunately we talked about Vince Neil, um, uh, his, his latest gig. And it, it was, it was bad, man. It was sad to see, you see some, someone that you idolize just kind of fall off a cliff like that. And it's from not taking care of yourself. So you really got to be yeah. mindful of that. That's true. Well, yeah, he also did some very, very hard living. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm that's, saying. That is not. That's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we were. Uh, but that's what I mean by taking care of yourself. Oh like, man, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, show, it certainly shows. Especially when you're like, God, man, like that's the guy that you, you when 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 you're growing up, 
that was yeah. the guy you're like, that guy's a fucking rock star. And then you hear him now and you're like, oh man, it's just depressing. <laughs> yeah, feel bad. It's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. it does happen. Man, I'll tell you, that's why I really do. People ask me about that all the time. And we were talking about it earlier about like all the rock star bullshit. I'm like, yeah. I just, I'm very fortunate to be with guys in a band that like everybody, like no one's like that. And no, really everyone's happened. level-headed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody kind of has their, we drink like on our nights off. Sure. We'll have a, have a rager but like nobody's you know just i'm i'm not a, I, I couldn't be around that i would just it'd drive me crazy especially the age i am now my 20s it's like one thing you're dealing with you know people that are that are partying all the time yeah but now in my like in my 40s and those guys got a few years on me um yeah i couldn't even imagine it that would drive me nuts i would i would retire before i would i would go on the road and deal with that you know? Oh yeah. So annoying. Especially if you're not into that kind of thing. You just, you know, Oh, great. He's passed out again. I guess we're not doing this. <laughs> I, I drove up here for nothing. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Jesus. Yeah. Or, you know, missing or somebody not, you know, worrying if they're going to show oh. up for gig or not, or if they're, you know, ha- have some kind of like outrageous drug relapse or something like we just never had to deal with any of that. And that's why I, I love, I love being with these guys Our but you can eat off the floor in our bus, you know, everything. Oh. It's, it's clean and quiet and you know, every, everybody kind of respects one another. I do actually have a question about that because I've heard this about tour buses. So like you guys have a strict rule about not shitting in the tour bus because like, apparently like, cause you don't like, it's not like it's not going to like trail out the back of it. You, you, know? you mean if there's a bathroom in there, right? I would think that if there wasn't a bathroom, you're, a ba- not, you're not allowed to oh, yeah. no shitting in the corner of the tour bus. <laughs> Your old roommate, maybe. <laughs> no, but uh, like, do you, well, I guess that's a first question. I would assume that there's a bathroom in the tour bus. Is there a bathroom in the tour bus? Oh yeah. 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 yeah there's a bathroom much. in there. Some of them actually have the ones that have showers have what they call grinders. <laughs> so uh, if, if it was an, an extreme, extreme emergency, yeah. you could, you could, uh, you could go number two on the yeah. bus. You could do a 10, 200 on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <Extreme> <laughs> emergency. Yeah. But, but, but like, you're like, Hey guys, if, if you just fuck, pinch it off until we get somewhere, we can. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's the general rule. Yeah. You just don't, it, we'll be at the venue very shortly. And yeah, you, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You just don't do it on the bus. And it's not even a, it, it blows out the rest of the bus. Really what it comes down to is the bus drivers don't want to clean it. So, <laughs> like, please don't that, move my bus. Yeah, dude. Because they do have to, they do have to empty the black tanks. And when it's, you're getting into a whole different, oh. no pun intended, a whole different bowl of pudding. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, when you have a black tank filled with, uh, with wood. Brown. Yes. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I would quit. I would be like, I'm not doing it. I get, I'm leaving the bus here. I'm out of here. Like, I can drive this thing off the fucking bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right exactly. Yeah, we're trusting that person to get us to point A to point B. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't want to be like smart eye. You when you walk into the bus, I know one of you did it. Which one yeah. of you did it? Yeah. 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 So anyway, but the, uh, uh, yeah, the bus living it's, I'll tell you, it really is. And just touring in general, it is, it's a skill and it's something that you do have to get good at and and get better at. Once you've got it down, Mm -hmm. it's good, but it is kind of like almost like a glorified camping. It's definitely a little more luxurious, I'd say than, than camping, but you do have to get your used to it just for simple things like that. So you do have to, you technically have to plan your meals. Oh yeah, I guess so. Because uh, you know you're going to be, so you have to know when you're going to eat and like kind of keep your that your your body's on some kind of regular um, schedule because 
you, if you're going to be on a bus for 14 hours, you know, if they have to stop for an emergency, they absolutely will. Like I, and I, when I'm right. saying in a, in a, to go on the bus, it is the absolute extreme emergency. Like you're going to wreck the bus. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you know like your bandmates well enough, you'd be like, "All right, I know that if you eat that hoagie right now, that in about four hours you're going to have to shit." So <laughs> we got to plan accordingly here. Just you know, yeah, gotta- yeah, and you'll know like because it's you. Ne- you never really get it like into REM sleep on on a bus. You're oh, that's got to be really I mean, tough. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, the the second you hear a rumble strip, you're ah, yeah, exactly. You're up. Yep. Okay, I'm up. So yeah. it's. But you, it, you get used to it, man. And it's we like once we're parked, you, every, everybody usually kind of nat gets a gets a couple hours during the day. Like once we're parked at the venue and uh, in between like lunch and sound check, like yeah. everybody will do like an hour and a half, two hours, and then you're, it'll kind of recharge you that way. But yeah, again, like I said, it's kind of a it, it's a skill you got to get good at it. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine too. Like you got a lot of time to kill on the bus. So what do you do? Like you're not. I, I have to imagine as much as you guys love each other and eventually play, you play music together, you're playing music all the time anyway. So you're probably not like sitting there practicing for like 14 hours straight on the bus. I would doubt that. So what do you guys do to keep yourselves entertained? Like you just stare at each other, like what do you like, read books? Do you uh, play games? Yeah. We're not really on top of each other all that much. I mean, just, you know, we have eight people on a bunk that could, or on a, on a bus that could hold 12. Oh, all so, right. Um, yeah, everybody like gets up at different times. Like me and, uh, and cruising are, we were like super early risers. So mm-hmm. me and him would be up at like five thirty six AM. We'd go and get breakfast, hang out, uh, and then come back. And by the time we're getting back, some other guys might be up by then, then they're just getting ready to go to breakfast. So we're never really, we're never really on top of one another. We're not all on the same schedule until about four in the afternoon. Then from there on, like with sound check and, yeah. And dinner and catering and everything. Then, then we're on the same schedule when we see each other until nighttime. But yeah, during the day, nothing really, uh, my guitar tech and myself were pretty avid golfers. So okay, okay. sweet. We'll go and golf. So yeah, right on. yeah that's cool. Whatever you could do to kill time. I do practice a lot. I'm sure uh, I'll, I'll do uh, video lessons. I do online lessons when I'm out just oh, to awesome. kind of have, just, have money, make money. <laughs> yeah. Just te- teach people too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we find ways to kill time. Very cool, man. The, uh, so teaching guitar, so Chris taught guitar, um, while, uh, while we were in the band and, and after, and he, but he was teaching like, like suburban neighborhood kids. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. do you find, do you find in this time that it's harder to get people to dedicate themselves and to learn, uh, you know, guitar, um, where, you know, in the, in the past when there wasn't so much, you know, instant gratification from other resources, uh, other stimulus, do you find it harder to teach people guitar now than, than it was, you know, back in the early two thousands? Cause you're a teacher, a regular teacher on top of also being able to teach guitar. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think it was harder. I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I started teaching when I was like 15. So I just kind of, set out a plan to do what I, how, how I was taught and just kind of stuck with that plan. Yeah, I just meant the students in general, the people that you're teaching oh, no. their attitude towards it. Yeah. Mm. No, no, not necessarily. I mean, if they, if they've, if people come to me, they're, they want to learn. They're okay. serious. You know what I mean? I they're serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're serious about doing it. I always say, I'm like, well, if yeah, if you're serious about doing it, then yeah, we're going to do it. Wait. And 
you know, don't, I, I don't want you to take for a month and then stop. Like if you're dedicated right. into getting into this and staying with it, at least for a while, uh, I'm more than happy to, to show you, you know, cause I do enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, that's something that you like, you should share. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have I, the skill and you have the, and the patience to do it, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not cool something I, I, I don't know if I'd want to live a life where I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't willing to share, uh, like having that, that talent to be able to do that, you know? Yeah, Where, Chris's, you know, Chris's students just wanted to learn Ed Sheeran songs, and and right. you, to talk, well, that, you have well, to talk I, Chris I, off the roof. <laughs> I, well, I would just tell I would tell the parents like before I started teaching them, I'm like, look, your kid is going to want to be like shredding immediately. This is not going to happen for a while. Like they're not going to be able to even actually like that. That like you have to learn how to hold the guitar. You need to learn to strum it. Like there's you have to know how to like put you just holding the putting your 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 hand on. The, the bridge, like if you, you could do the, the neck of the guitar, you're going to do, you could do that completely wrong and fuck your, your hand up. Like, and I know that because I started off wrong and I had to get corrected. So like, yes, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so those kinds of things that you have to like explain to a parent because the parents can be like, well, why aren't they like playing guitar behind their head? And like, you know, like <laughs> doing rocking solos in my, they're like playing, 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 playing. Like that's, I'm like, it's, it's going to be a dedication. And I would tell the kid too. I'm like, look, you have to be, you have to dedicate yourself to, to practice perfectly as much as you can. And you have to do it every single time. Cause I don't want to come here in, in a, in a couple of days and see that you haven't made any progress or that you forgot everything that we, that we were, went through. If you were serious about it, then be serious about it to your point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like, if you're, I know when someone's not going to be serious about it because I've done it for so long, yeah. you, you just know when someone hasn't practiced, you know what I mean? Oh <laughs> yeah. You're like, you've I done know, nothing. Anyway, like, yeah. You know, I spent a few hours on it. Mm. I didn't. Hours on it. Oh, yeah. yes. You spent no hours on it. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> if you had spent no, hours you know, on it, you sit on the guitar case. <laughs> That's what you've been sitting on. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, no. you know, and like, like anybody else in the world, man, you know, it's like I value my time, you know, yeah. and I, th- I think time is like the most valuable thing you can give anyone. So it's like, if I'm going to, you know, give my dear and you're, you are paying for it, but I, you know, I'm not, trying to rob you. No, right. I want to teach you how to play guitar. Well, yeah, it's rewarding too. As a teacher, you know, this, like when you, when you teach somebody something new and they get it and they start getting good at it, you're like, that's awesome. Like you feel so good about them progressing, you know, mm-hmm. and there was, you know, yeah, it, that's, that's the rewarding part of it. You know, but I mean the money, you know, whatever it's, it's the rewarding part is watching somebody learn something new and like actually getting it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And being, and then being excited about it and too. being excited about it too. Yes, exactly. For sure. Yeah. So I have one yeah. last question. I have one last question for you sure. um, before we let you go. So is there anybody that you haven't played with that you're like, man, I really wish, I really hope at some point that, that we get to tour with this band or that you, that you go and see regularly, like you're still like blown away by like a, like you fanboy out to yeah. a bit. Uh, Besides Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we, you know, we've already gotten, we yeah. played with, so that I got to check that off the list, which was kind of cool. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. For, and it was supposed to happen last year and I, there's no more talk of it, but uh, I've always, always, always wanted to go out on the road with the call. They're one oh, of my wow. favorite ever. Um, and I've had uh, friends that have toured with them and, uh, we, uh, it was so, so close to happening last year and oh, then the ha- pandemic hit and I was like, <sighs> like, I, no! I was like, 
Yeah, I was like, if if I tour with the cult or, you know, even do some shows with, like doing some shows with Guns N' Roses would be great, but I'm just getting to do a full tour with the cult and, you know, if we play with Guns N' Roses, I always said like a tour with the cult or getting to play, if I ever play Donington uh, in England, Castle Donington, I'm, I'm good. That's all my check marks. I could, I will retire happy man. That's very cool. That's amazing. Well, listen, Brian, um, we want to thank you for, for joining us. This has been a pleasure all on this side. I'm sure. Um, like Unbelievable, it, man. This, I'm really so, so cool to, to, to uh, first of all, you know, again, it's going back years and years and years, but we, you know, we actually did get um, a chance to play with you before and to see that you've, you've progressed and, and done so much, so, so much more than we have um, <laughs> is <laughs> pretty amazing. I don't um, know, man. We've, we've, we've made our mark in the, in the court, in the corporate game. <laughs> we're, uh, we're well, senior enough. managers. I mean, we're, and above. Uh, well, whatever. Like <laughs> I'm saying, to that point though. Yeah. To that, to that point, I, you know, I always said, if you, if you've made money playing music, you're, you, you're successful. If you've made money doing anything in music, like whether you're writing it or performing it or teaching it, if you're do, making money and, and have actually contributed to your income as be, anything music related, to me, that's successful. You know what yeah. I mean? So uh, that I, it just kept going for me. You know what I mean? I just, I never got out of it. So it was just one of those things that it just, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. I was like, I still enjoy doing it. That's why I just kept doing it. Yeah. We kept doing it without the success too. I mean, we were doing it up until our, like I said, our last gig was sometime in like 2000 mid, like mid 2013. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were, we were doing it for the love of it. Yeah. We were just doing it because we loved playing music so much. And sometimes we made money. Sometimes we didn't. Um, And, you know, so I'm, I'm thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy seeing someone who started or, or, or was playing at the, at the same places as us at the same time have the tremendous amount of sec- success that you've had because, you know, the, the three people here at this table right now, I mean, we, we all love music and, and, and I would, mm. we would still, we would still be playing if we didn't run headlong into some of the bullshit band stuff that, that bands break up uh, because of, you know, with yeah. that you talked about yeah. before, you know, we, we, we had an indie record deal in front of us and, and, you know, egos and, and other shit got in the, got way. In the way of it. Yep. Um, so right. we're, 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 we're thir- not only are we thankful for you, um, being here with us today, we're, we're, we're certainly appreciative of, of what you've done and, and continue to do in, in music. So thank yeah, you so much for being here. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And everybody go check out Candlebox um, and, and check out uh, Candlebox. Their new album, Wolves, uh, is coming out in September. Their single, My Weakness, is out now. So go check that out. I believe the website is Candlebox Rocks. Uh, and that might be Candlebox Rocks with uh, an X. I'm actually checking it now, so I don't give you the... Oh, it's no, it's R-O-C-K-S. So you're not yeah. going to go to a Candlebox place that sells Candleboxes <laughs> and rocks. <laughs> Uh, but candleboxrocks.com for the tour dates that's starting up in September. Brian Quinn, we thank you so much for joining us on Digging in the Dome, and we hope to have you back real soon. Absolutely, man. Goodbye. And good night. Bye.